in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment of the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news the front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night. Lights FC missed the postseason by a single point. Lights FC went into Saturday, the final day of the regular season in the USL, thanks to a loss earlier in the day by Oakland. If Lights FC beat LA Galaxy 2 on Saturday... They would have qualified for the playoffs, but Lights FC finished in a 1-1 draw with LA Galaxy 2, and they sat one point behind Oakland in the final playoff standings. And worst of all, worst of all, team's best player, Danny Trejo, uh, was one-on-one with the goalie in the 89th minute and missed. If he oh, puts that home, brutal. Lights FC most likely finished that game off with a win, and they are preparing for a postseason game, but Lights FC have still not made the playoffs I mean, as a franchise. Rocket fuel for the offseason, though. You're uh, right there. No, so there's a lot of tiebreakers involved when you uh, talked about this a couple weeks ago. So I know it wasn't exactly in their hands. Hands. It did by the time they got to their game. The problem with the offseason is nobody knows what's actually going to happen to this team because they are essentially an affiliate of LAFC. Yep. And so all their players are basically LAFC players. But LAFC has, I believe they have said that they are going to have their, you know, minor league team, which is how they treated Lights, play in a brand new league, um, which means that Lights FC are probably not going to be affiliated with LAFC next year. Maybe they are, but... So are you saying like the Lights would leave here, the Lights would just play in a different league, but also play here? No, I, again, don't know exactly what's going to happen, but Lights would play here, but would presumably have an entire new roster of players, Got new coaches, it. because all saying. of those players are effectively LAFC players mm. in a, you know a minor leagues type of setup. So what happens in this offseason, what happens to the franchise? No idea what happens next, but they could have been in the playoffs and they missed it by a single point. Damn. Do you want to go? Or? Oh, you can go. I don't want to. Okay. Tennessee beat Alabama 52 to 49. Alabama missed a 50 yard field goal in the final minute. And then Tennessee in less than 30 seconds was able to drive a few yards to get it within range for a 40 yard field goal. That was good uh, to win the game. And by the way, the ugliest made field goal I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I thought it was blocked when I saw it. And I was like, what? That's like somebody who has never kicked a football before went out there to try to win free food for a year at halftime and made it. Um, I will say Alabama lost this game. I love it when Alabama loses midseason. Bryce Young is incredible. He is unbelievable in the pocket. His pocket awareness already looks as good as players that are in the NFL and are good at it. Is he his, eligible for the draft this year? Yes. Okay. His, I believe so. His if ability to, to, to avoid any sort of pressure in the pocket is it, it's incredible to me. Now, Tennessee ended up winning this game. Uh, Malik Hooker was very good. Here's the fun part about this. Alabama 100% has a better chance to go to the playoff than they Tennessee. They always do. Because Tennessee still has to play Georgia. And if Tennessee loses to Georgia, Tennessee is not going to the SEC title game. If Alabama wins the rest of their games, Alabama is in the SEC championship game. And if they're in the SEC championship game and then they had, 
if they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're probably not going, but then they will be able to beat Georgia, go to the SEC title game, or win the SEC title game and go to the playoff. If I'm Tennessee, I really don't care. <laughs> like, we beat yeah. Bama for the first time in what, like 15, 17 years? They stole the goalposts. They kidnapped them out of the stadium. They took them. You care today, but then when we get to the end of the season and Tennessee is 11 and 1 and beat Alabama and Alabama is 12 and 1, Alabama is going to the playoff and they are not. Saban would um, take the team out because he said 17 penalties, too undisciplined for the playoff. We uh, disrespectful. I mean, I'm pretty sure. There have been multiple, there have been times where Alabama just didn't play in the SEC championship game and still went to the playoffs. So I think Alabama three losses that that's that's where they get eliminated from the playoffs. I don't think they play another. They the only other good team they play is Ole Miss. So I think if they lose another one, they're probably done for. Because if, here's the thing: if like for example, if they were to lose to Ole Miss, then they would not play for the SEC title game. The key for Alabama is that they get to beat Georgia. Because if they beat Georgia, they can lose the rest of their games. They're going in. I wonder what unique circle of hell that Alabama practices are a week after a loss. Like, it doesn't happen very often. Did you see him screaming at, like, the 19-year-old? That's what I mean. I mean, we used to have battle drill Mondays. If you didn't puke, it was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, could you imagine? Did you see the Tennessee offensive lineman that threw up in the huddle? Yes, badass. Do we? Okay, he turns and throws up while they're in the huddle. And immediately looks at one of the defensive linemen and, and just, just starts, lines up and just starts nodding his head. He didn't even hear the play. He has no idea what play they were about to run because he threw up and then was just like saying, "Hell yeah, I'm." Those are the best kind of hell. pukes. Where you're just like, "Yep, I'm here." You just get it out of the way, and it's like a complete physical state change in milliseconds. Yeah, I was gonna say we're raking pukes. Oh, there's different ones. Like you can get the the <laughs> ones where you have the stomach sloshies because you drank too much water. Like that one's not fun. Which, okay. I'm just saying there are different, like, I've puked in a lot of trash bins in, in hockey arenas for different reasons. Okay. Be that getting, like, bag skated, be that because I'm recovering from injury and I'm just trying to get back into the shape. So I just puke because it's so much work. Like, there's a ranking. If you're going to, at least you get a little bit of a competitive edge from it. Hung over? That w- would never put myself or my team in that position. <laughs> I took my I, think very, I, my I take team. myself very seriously as I did my hockey career. I think I put my team in that position on a daily basis. No, great, great question. The Yankees and Guardians play game five tonight. The winner goes to the ALCS. The Yankees uh, won last night to force a game five. But did you see Josh Naylor hits a home run off Garrett Cole? And as he's rounding the bases, does a baby cradling motion. And then you can read his lips because he looks right into the camera twice and yells, that's my bleeping son. Nicki Minaj's influence knows no bounds. She calls a lot of her fans her sons. It's the best. Uh, I'm all for Yankees losing. Go Guardians. So uh, I'm pumped about this, but I'm taking that the game is going to be in New York for Game 5, right? Yes. Game 5 is in New York. Um, I want Josh Naylor to hit another home run. Because here's the funny part. The home run he hit yesterday made it a one-run game in like the fifth inning. Like mm-hmm. it, like it wasn't even, it didn't change leads and it wasn't even like a late home run to tie the game. It was just middle inning, mm-hmm. cut the lead to one. And that's how he celebrated. I want this guy to hit like an actual home run that changes the lead or wins the game or something. Well, maybe it throws Garrett Cole off. He gets all bent out of shape for he stupid was, stuff. He was great for everything after. Aside yeah. from that, he was phenomenal. So I just want to see what Josh Naylor does if he actually hits an important home run.
He might not make it around the bases. He might just stop and celebrate stop, between first and, and second. Yeah, <laughs> barrel roll. He'll just he'll just be out there for the rest of the time. It'll be great. Next question. The Steelers beat the Bucks twenty to eighteen. Pittsburgh was down four defensive backs, three corners plus the safety, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. How the hell did they win this game? I still don't understand. You how have they it won typed in your Mitch Trubisky no, sealed the I, game. I don't know how they won this game. <laughs> Kenny Pickett left with a concussion. Mitch Trubisky came in, and the the Bucks just like he was respectable. Couldn't get the ball back, and Brady couldn't couldn't score more than eighteen points. I don't understand how they won that game. Because Tom Brady took time off. I didn't even realize that he skipped the practice. Oh. Like this guy gave up his family for this piece of crap football team. It was doomed from the start when his left tackle got hurt. Like in the what the first game of the preseason, or very early in the year. God, I love to see it. Not the injury, just Tom Brady's lack of success. My favorite part of Brady going to Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday night and skipping team meetings, my favorite part is that the Buccaneers told Tom Brady, you don't have to show up on Wednesdays. Yeah, for family time. Basically a, hey, go hang out with your family on Wednesdays. Tom Brady still shows up on Wednesdays. But then when Robert Kraft gets married, he goes and flies and misses team meetings. And I can't remember who reported. I think it was ESPN reported it. He went alone to the wedding. Of course he did. Which is great. Um, can't pick I just, up a bridesmaid if you bring a date. It's it's incredible. <laughs> I, I love every part of it. Um, and I, I can't wait to blame the Buccaneers missing the playoffs on Tom Brady's family. On to- No, it's on Tom Brady. It's not on his family. Man is responsible for his own decisions. It's, is a, he not? it's the whole family unit. No. They You're going to blame not, the kids? They could not come to an agreement on what should be done this year. And so the whole family unit has caused the Buccaneers season to crumble. And it's great. I'm Team Giselle. All Tom the Brady way. can be the main guy at fault here, but it's a whole, they're a whole unit and they couldn't agree. And that's why the Buccaneers suck. <laughs> Next question. They're also like the Packers, still going to win that division. Probably. Because that division is like the Falcons might be the second best team. Oh, the yeah. Panthers are terrible. What the is it? Saints, week six this year? Or this week, I should say, week six, week seven. It's right around the time where the te- really good teams start actually turning it on. Conceivably. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens blew another double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. They led the Giants 20-10. to 10. The Giants scored the last 14 games to win that. Uh, Lamar Jackson had an interception and a fumble in the fourth quarter. The interception set up the Giants game-winning touchdown drive. The fumble gave the ball back to the Giants, who then ran the clock out. This is the third time that the Ravens have blown a double-digit lead. Uh, They did it to Miami, they did it with Buffalo, and now they've done it in the fourth quarter to the Giants. Is this team any good? Not not right now, they're not. They could be the best team in the world, but they can't finish for scrap. So it's just, I I don't really understand how this defense has gotten to this point. I mean, I I know that there's been a lot of changes over the last couple years, and mainly on offense, though, because it's been an offensive line, and then they lose Hollywood Brown, and so... Maybe Lamar's just not as comfortable as he could be, or he's not feeling totally in sync with his targets because turnovers are fine, but this many is is not great. And you can't be making those if your defense can't stop anything. The Giants are five and one. They've beaten the Packers and Ravens in back to back. Prove it deals is now everybody's gonna say we're not gonna give you the fifth year option for their superstar players. Well, all right, Daniel Jones not a superstar player. Come well, on. he's playing like come it. On, come on, Saquon, come on. If you kind of suck, you get a proof of deal. I think is the situation here. I think this is just a case of Brian Dable, the head coach they got from Buffalo. Yeah, 
I think he's just really good. I think we're talking about end of the season. He's whatever coach of the year. We're talking about everybody has gonna, a scheme and yeah. the guys are buying in. So it's like, oh my god, we can be good at this football thing. We're talking yeah, about you know good guess. Who, who can find the next Brian Dable, right? How good are the Giants? Obviously, the Giants are gonna have questions about what do they do with Daniel Jones after this season because maybe they keep him because the Giants have a good season, but. I think I think this is about Brian Dable being a really, really good head coach. What would have to happen for you to move on from him at this point, Daniel Jones? Oh, I think they can make the playoffs and still move on. From really? Him. Yeah. Well, I he's, suppose it depends on who's uh, going to be on that free agent market. Right. He's, Everybody's going to be Lamar fishing too. It's going to be a situation where Daniel Jones is probably the um, Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Right at the end of the year, we're like, oh, wow. the Giants, hey, they can win with Daniel Jones, but you're never going to actually win a Super Bowl. Because of him. Yes. Mm. So I think if you're the Giants, again, maybe you come back and you decide, hey, we can't actually get anything better than this. There's that. But I think they're going to be trying to replace him uh, a lot because you need it's something It's a great recruiting tool, Jones. how well they're doing. You can plug and play somebody in here. We used to call that the Carr uh, Dalton continuum of like, He's too good, but we really need something better. Is now at the Daniel Jones car continuum mm. of like these these quarterbacks. You're like, no, but I guess I Jones, is, there Jones is on like the very far end of that. Well, it's a continuum. The lowest yeah. level of competency. That's what he's playing at right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it might be Daniel Jones up to Derek Carr and somewhere. Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton. You're putting Russell Wilson with Kirk. Yeah, oh, yeah. my is, God. How is, the mighty have fallen. He is he's now. got a ring. He is, he's he oh is. God. Stafford's on the there meanest too. thing anybody's ever said about Russell Wilson. Stafford's on oh, there no, too. he's an enormous dork. Oh, people say very mean <laughs> things about Russell Wilson because he's got to be the corniest guy in the NFL. Doesn't make him a bad guy. I'd rather a corny a guy than an a-hole. I just said he's bad at football. <laughs> oh boy. Man, you know that's a great question. <laughs> SMU and Navy was delayed on Saturday because a horse pooped on the field. So SMU <laughs> has an actual live pony mascot. Sure. That runs on the field, I guess, after they score touchdowns. And apparently it pooped on the field after an SMU touchdown. So they had to delay the game to actually go pick up the horse poop. Who was tasked with that? All right. You want to know a fun story? Yeah. Lights FC. Mm -hmm. uh, they have llamas. And yes. in the first ever Lights FC game, they, they brought the llamas out on the field for the national anthem. And one pooped on the field. <laughs> and somebody had to run out there and clean it up. So I think it was in year two of Lights FC. We did oh. sort of a sort of like a joke sponsorship with them. Yeah. Where... Uh, I was the official sponsor of the Pooper Scooper. Brilliant. And I was going to say, you're not prepared for that because you're like, do you have doggy bags on right. the sideline? Do you have an actual scooper? Usually it's just like, can I find a plastic bag or am I going to have to white knuckle bare hand this? Yeah. Like nobody wants that. So I had an actual like little uh, a shovel thing with a little rake to, to get it. Yeah. Genius. It was, I know it was a bucket. It was a bucket, not a shovel. Thing. It was a bucket. To, and the logo, was, the logo was in the bottom of the yeah, bucket. Yeah. Unfortunately, the llamas did not poop while I was there. I was there like 90 minutes before the game because they would have the llamas out front. You could sure. come feed them. No poop They poop there. a lot, though? Or is it like... They, a, did, they didn't poop while I was there. They're pretty big animals. They did not poop while I was there. have to get there. clarification on that. Fail. I always thought they spit. They do spit. They didn't spit while I was there either. These were well-behaved llamas. The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night. Our pitching staff did a heck of a job here. Theirs did a heck of a job, especially tonight on us, because it's hard to hold somebody scoreless for that long on both sides. And, you know, this is this is some team. 
I mean, these guys, they, they, they grind and grind and grind, and then sooner or later, we broke through. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Featuring Brown. Unfortunately, Ed Graney is not here today. Lindsey Brown is in studio. The second biggest baseball fan in this entire <laughs> broadcasting studio. Uh, the Padres eliminated the Dodgers from the postseason over the weekend. Ever since I started doing this show with Ed, it is the number one thing he has been afraid of. Every other time that the Dodgers have played in a postseason series, yes, he's worried about them losing because he's a Dodgers fan, but he can stomach it. The only thing he's cared about in the past three plus years is the Padres beating the Dodgers. Little and brother syndrome? Uh, he Yes, very much so. There are Padres fans that, I guess, annoy him. Mm. And he it does not like that they now have something to actually brag uh, about over him. Are we kind of surprised that the Padres have made it this far, considering the Tatis thing and, and how just big that was the news his omission for the rest of the year and everything like it kind of seems like they've taken that and ran with that narrative it is surprising that the Padres were able to beat the Mets and the Dodgers because the Padres are not as good as the Mets and the Dodgers but this happens pretty much every year in baseball yeah where very very rarely do we get the two one seeds from the AL and the NL playing in the World Series you are almost always guaranteed one wild card or even just sort of bad division winner to be playing for the world series. So Mm -hmm. it is a little bit surprising, but on the whole, it's not super surprising that the Dodgers are out, that the Braves are out, that the Mets are out. Right. So not too much. And I will say this on them, not having Tatis, the Braves won the world series last year without their best hitter in Ronald Acuna. He got hurt in season and they still went on and won the world series. So it's very much a, uh, crapshoot of a postseason mm-hmm. in baseball. And that's why, I mean, listen, right now, if the Cleveland Guardians win tonight, the I think the only team left that had won 95 games would be the Houston Astros. When you have the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees would all be eliminated before the final four, and all four won more than 95 games. So it's very much a crapshoot. And I'm pleased that it finally caught up to the Dodgers against the Padres. It catches the Dodgers a lot, but against the Padres, it's great. Now, how many innings of baseball would you say you watch during the regular season? This season? Yeah, whole season. Hold how on, many innings of baseball count. do you think a, you watch? A lot. Maybe you, like three. Okay. Did Would you ever sit down and watch six hours, six and a half hours of an 18-inning baseball game? Yeah, it would depend on the baseball game. I mean, I watched it a little bit because I was in here watch uh, for the Knights game in Seattle because I don't and have cable. And it was on the entire day. No, all day. And I was like, this this game started at 1 p.m. Uh, when it's one nothing, that's that is tough. Like it's one it's one thing when there's a, there's an offensive onslaught and we're answering the call and it's back and forth, back and forth. But this this was different. 498 pitches thrown between the Astros and Mariners in an 18 inning game. And only one run was scored the entire time. Six hours and 22 minutes was game time. I did watch every pitch every minute. So is it just pitchers were blowing people away or that we weren't getting the the balls to the area where they should to get down? Like what's what, what happened? If you told me that major league baseball introduced a brand new ball that um, let's had sticky stuff on it already. 
I would believe you because I think the Astros used nine pitchers and the Mariners used eight. Something along that. We had 16, 17, 18 pitchers in that game. I don't, not one of them didn't have like their stuff. Not mm. one of them was like, ah, he's, he's missing or special oh, batch of mud from New Jersey. Right. right. It was like, ah, he can't, he can't throw his breaking ball. Every single one of the pitchers that came into that game hmm. was on. Even the guy who gave up the home run, he did throw a hanger that got crushed for a home run, but that was like the only bad pitch he threw in that inning. Like every single pitcher, again, it's, it's almost impossible to have 16 plus pitchers come into a game. Right. And not one of them suck, right? Like, that's almost impossible. So if you told me there was, like, a baseball that came with the mud or some sticky spider tack already on it, I would I would believe you because every pitcher was incredible. Why always mess with the ball? Because like, weren't they were sailing at a different rate home runs oh. a couple years ago, and they're like, they're messing with them there. I'm like, why can't we just have a consistent product here? 2019 was, like, the year of the home run. Yeah. The Minnesota Twins. Correct. Hit the most home runs. <laughs> no, we did it in the postseason. Jack squat. <laughs> so 2019 was just baseball was alive. 2020 pandemic, whatever. I'll give you a pass. But then last year, there were multiple stories in Major League Baseball after lying about it. Finally admitted they used two different kinds of balls in the season. One was a clearly deadened ball mm-hmm. that did not travel as far and the other one was sort of a more normal baseball. What other sport does is because like the the pucks have to be a certain temperature because yeah. otherwise they're too they're too bouncy on the ice. It's baseball. Yeah, I mean it's that that is it's Major League Baseball trying to keep the amount of runs scored at a certain level and trying to manufacture the type of game that's played. Like the the thing that Major League Baseball because they're trying you know new rule changes and stuff. The thing Major League Baseball is trying to get away from is that baseball's become a homer strikeout walk. Right. Type Which of it game. has been, or right. at least it was through the teens. Because as uh as a pitching staff, I want as many strikeouts as I possibly can get. And yeah. as an offense, with the shift and with the amount of strikeout pitchers that there are, it's in my best interest to just try to hit home runs. Right. Right. Like that's why I waste my time on these right. other things. Launch yep. angle's important. So that's what baseball's become, and they're trying to get back to more. They want to see more singles and hit and runs and stolen bases just because it's action and it's more entertaining than a guy who walks and strikes out a lot. So that's where a lot of it comes from with baseball. But the fact that they will change in season, the fact that they use two different balls in 2021 wild to me this year was like the lowest was they, they track, you know, the drag on the baseball when it flies. Yeah. This was like the worst drag in baseball. Oh, it's great. It was like the worst drag that, they've ever had since they've been able to track this. So it's they absolutely the ball was dead in this year, 100% dead in. And I believe that 18 inning game, it was dead in and just covered in spider tack. Like it was just great for the free agency dollars, right? Just a brown baseball they were throwing up there. So, but I watched every inning of it. Six excruciating hours followed by (laughs) it's your team. Yeah. Like 20 minutes of excitement and fun because they hit the home run and then close it out. But are you nervous when you're watching this or are you, are you a ball of nerves? I am nervous when I'm watching it outside of the actual game. I'm the Astros are winning the world series. Most confident person about this team ever. And I know you don't particularly care for him, but at one point during that during that time frame, did you go? Oh, they should really get Dusty a nap. 
He's going to have to manage. To I needed a nap, but yes, they should have gotten him a nap at some point. At least it started at Dusty's one. like a mid-game buffet oh, yeah. or something. Dusty's Get the blood like sugar back up. Yeah, D- Dusty's like 70-something years old. And he's... You guys are two bags of seeds already. Coming up next, Mike Grimala joins the show. And they run the read option, and it's kept by Friel. And Friel has the ball stripped, and the ball's loose on the ground, and the ball is collected at the 18-yard line by Air Force, and the Rebels fumble it away. Shotgun formation. Friel, play-action fake. Back, he's hit, and the ball's on the ground again. It's another fumble recovered by Air Force at the 15. And the man who pushed and caused the fumble again, T.D. Blackman. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Joining us from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Grimala. All right, Mike, uh, UNLV's defense looked pretty good through the first five games of the season. They have gotten crushed two weeks in a row. Uh, Do you believe this defense is the first five weeks of the season, or are they going to be this bad the rest of the year? As long as they don't play Air Force again this year, (laughs) I don't think they'll be that bad. We've seen this two years in a row now. Um, I'm if there's one thing we know about this UNLV program is that they can't defend the option. I, if they play again next year, it's going to be the same thing. That line should open at Air Force minus 30. Um, no chance. They have no chance of defending the option, but maybe they'll bounce back against more conventional offenses. So I'm not ready to write them off for the rest of the season. So, okay, on that idea of, of defending the option, they got crushed last year. They had an entire offseason to bring in more talent, to figure out how to stop the option, and they clearly did not do that. How much does that matter versus that is a one-off because that's an opponent that, hell, they don't even play them every year because they're on the other uh, division of the Mountain West. How much is that a, oh, we can kind of ignore that because they're not going to play a triple option team every single week or even every single year? And it's it's perfectly fine if UNLV loses to Air Force every time they play them because they can't stop the option. For now, I would be okay with UNLV ignoring the, the options because they've got so many bigger things to worry about. Like, they're trying to build the entire program. Um, you've got to worry about stopping, like I said, conventional offenses. You've got to worry about installing your own offense. Um, I don't want them devoting practice time every week to defending the option. You know, you hear stories about some teams that if they have Air Force or Navy on the schedule, they devote like a 20-minute period every practice or once a week for the entire season to sort of um, prepare for it. I don't want UNLV to do that. I think that's a waste of time. They've got better things to do. Um, Maybe once UNLV gets onto a level where they're more competitive year in, year out, then you start to worry about the option as something you've got to deal with. But for now, I think they're just taking their lumps, and I, I... it is what it is. Like if they play Air Force again, if they play Air Force twelve times this year, they're going to lose that game twelve times, just like they did on Saturday. So, yeah, I, I, as long as they don't face an option again this year, um, I don't think they'll look quite that bad. So, how do you reset in practice? What's the first drill that you have this team work on uh, today? For the, I would say ball security for the quarterbacks. We saw. Um, you know, we started out that game pretty well. They got the opening kickoff. They drove into the red zone. It looked like they were going to get ahead early, which is key against a, a, an option offense. You don't want to fall behind and let them just run the ball for 60 minutes. And then you know, tried to get uh, a little creative and they had a quarter, a design quarterback run and Cameron Freel lost the ball. And that was the, that, that, that was the game right there. It was over from that point. So 
And then we saw another, uh, an even worse fumble from Cameron Friel later in the game. Uh, if you're the backup and you're coming in and you're trying to, to win with your backup, the one thing they can't do is cost you the game. You know, he, you, you may not be relying on him to win it, but you can't have your backup quarterback go out there and turn it over three times. He also threw an interception. So that would be the, the biggest thing. Uh, stop fumbling. Because Frail might have to play again this week against oh. Notre Dame. Doug Brumfield is still in the concussion protocol, so we'll see how he uh, uh, fares this week. But if Frail has to play against Notre Dame, he can't turn the ball over three times. We saw a quarterback battle going into week one of the season. Is the gap really this big between Doug Brumfield and Cam Friel and Harrison Bailey? It's hard to say. We saw the same thing last year where there was a quarterback battle throughout the entire offseason. It came down to the wire, and then Doug Brumfield was the number two guy, and then it turned out he was light years better than anyone else on the roster as that season went on, even though he got hurt early. I think you're seeing the same thing again this year, with the difference being that Doug Brumfield did win the job at the last minute but it does kind of make you wonder, like, what's going on in practice that makes Cameron Freel and Harrison Bailey, like, so close to him on the depth chart? And then, you know, Freel and Bailey are flip-flopping on the number two spot, and I think there's even a huge gap from Freel to Bailey. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the, the quarterback rankings and how they do that internally, but, uh, yeah, huge gap between Doug Brumfield and the rest of the guys. You talk a lot about, about the culture of the team and building this program. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement. Everybody that I've talked to that's a, that's a fan, they're like, we got to relish this while it's here, a winning record. It's 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 kind of once in a blue moon. But now that you're hitting this kind of mid-season skid where you're playing a little bit different level of competition, how big of a task or, or a challenge is it for Arroyo to keep these guys at, at that level head? You know, it's, it's hard to say because they haven't been here. Like, they have... Their first two years under Arroyo were so bad that it was not even a consideration of how to navigate a season. It was basically like, let's just survive this next week. We're going to take our, our 20-point beating, and then let's, we've got to survive to the end of the year. So the, the fact that they've now got to navigate, like, hey, how do we bounce back from this game? Or how do we spin this forward? And how do we adjust? Like, We've never seen the coaching staff have to deal with this kind of stuff. So, yeah, they've got, there's an emotional component to the locker room where – that San Jose State game was a big game. The first big game, the first game that had any stakes at all for UNLV in about five years. And they got crushed. So that, there's an emotional component coming out of that game. And then to go up against Air Force and be, you know, uh, clearly UNLV does not belong on the same field as Air Force. How do you, two weeks in a row, how does the coach accept sort of manage that going forward, especially at Notre Dame? There's a potential for another blowout. Mm-hmm. So are we going to see UNLV sort of rally and respond and maybe put up a better effort than we think this week? Um, it's a lot depends on the coaching staff and how they handle it. And quite frankly, I don't, I can't say, I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know if they can get these guys to rally. Mike Ramallah with us from the Las Vegas sun. So Mike, just to let you know, last week we discovered Lindsay uh, is a picky eater. And when we had this conversation, the first thing she said about, I can't remember what type of food it was. Uh, she mentioned the texture of the food and it is almost verbatim what you tell us all the time. Uh, so just so you're aware, Lindsay is, uh, on your side, Not picky, particular eater, Yeah, yeah, particular, not picky. Um, but can you run us through, you, you texted me this. Can you run us through how you almost got tricked into eating a mushroom this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It was at the UNLV game at Allegiant stadium. They had a, a, like a spread out for, uh, up in the press box and the meat options, there were two, you know, chafing dishes and, 
they were closed. One of them said vegan, and the other one said uh, braised roast beef. So I, you know, I wasn't going to go for the vegan option, so I went for the roast beef, or the ribs, I should say, braised ribs. And I opened it up, and it looked a little strange, but I was like, oh, whatever. Looks like meat, I guess. So I grabbed it, and I went back to my seat. And I cut into it, and it just, it, the feel of cutting into it was off. Oh. I feel you, and, Mike. And I've, I've, had, I've had ribs a couple times, so I know what they are, but not enough times. that I can just eyeball it, you know, like the back of my hand. So before I, and I, I had it on the fork, and before I bit into it, I was like, I don't, I don't want to create a, a problem or be a bother, but I went over to one of my colleagues, uh, Willie Ramirez, and I said, Willie, Poor is Willie. This, are these, I said, Willie, is, is this ribs or is this a mushroom? He goes, that's a portobello mushroom. <laughs> he goes, oh, he goes, oh, Mike, they they made a mistake with the caterers. They put out two vegan trays. They put out so they there were no ribs when oh. I got food. It was just two. They made a mistake. So it was marked as, as beef. So I almost bit into it, and I can just imagine the mouth feel of that would have just been like hideous. Yes. So I I came very very close to having an incident at the at the in the press box. Uh, Go ahead. How? Did you confuse ribs for a mushroom? The way it was presented, like the pre- the presentation of the mushrooms, they were like they were big. They had some kind of like not sauce, but some sort. I guess yeah, sauce or something on them, and they were sort of browned. And it it if you squinted right, and like I said, I'm not an expert <laughs> in ribs. Squinted right. It kind and it was marked as ribs, so it kind of looked like that. Um, Willie was able to tell right away, thankfully. Oh. Um, so I didn't have to taste it or get any closer to it, but so, it, was, it was a close call. So, Mike, uh, as as someone who's a particular eater, I pretty much assume that I'm not going to have anything that I like at any establishment. So I bring like fruit snacks everywhere. Do you have a safe food that's similar? Uh, I, I I don't bring food to restaurants. I do look at the menus beforehand. Yep. Um, I've been at this game long enough that I've pretty much developed at least one thing that I can eat. Anywhere, like I don't, eat, I don't eat Mexican food. But if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I can order like a cheese quesadilla. Yeah, and so like I can survive in most places. Survive, um, <laughs> but I, I don't think I would have been able to get through the just just biting into a mushroom like that. Do you know how disappointed I am that you didn't take that bite? Do you know I'm so uh, disappointed? You the fact didn't that take you that felt bite. it as you were like cutting through it with a knife. I'm like, absolutely. I've been there. Where you're like, this is a little yeah. bit too squishy. This doesn't seem w- legit here. Okay. Yeah. There was a, there was a definite difference. Could you imagine? I'm so disappointed. You would have been traumatized, Mike. Because that here's the thing. Your whole texture thing. I understand when you think you're eating or drinking one thing and it's something completely different and why that would throw you and shock you. And so I'm very disappointed we didn't get that because that actually would have been valid if you thought you were taking a bite of ribs and it was just a mushroom. <laughs> it, it's, it wouldn't have been my fault. I mean, it was mislabeled by Elysian well, Stadium. So I, it's like that, that would have been such, such a betrayal. I don't know if I would have been able to trust again after that. I wouldn't have. They would have been fired right away. At least in my mind. Oh, well, he is Mike Ravala from the Las Vegas Sun. Almost ate a mushroom this weekend. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. <sighs> Disappointed he didn't take the bite. I, we the need mushroom. to be friends. He do and you, I need to go to like a restaurant and just see what happens. Do you like mushrooms? No. Oh. <laughs> no.
Not. Would you would you eat a mushroom? Depends on the context. What are okay. we trying to do? What it's, kind of adventure? It's a portobello mushroom, and it's the only I'm not thing in the any press of those box. Kinds, but it's the uh, only you know. thing in the press box for di- you're at a six hour baseball game. I could use a mental breakthrough. Food. Let's just say that a mental breakthrough. I could use a little a little uh, repavement of some of the brain neurons. I love mushrooms. They're Why? phenomenal. They're amazing. I don't, it looks like, they I, I don't know how like to dirt. describe it. They're phenomenal. No, you, uh, you get the dirt off before yeah, you, you eat you, it. You wa- you uh, that might them. be the issue. <laughs> You're not washing them. <laughs> You're not washing them. <laughs> that definitely does not. Yeah. I just, they look so weird. I feel bad. I'm like, we don't really know what mushrooms are. There's nothing else like them in the world. I mean, they're a fungus. I know, we, but we like know exactly we, we like do not understand them because they're just so unique and plentiful and all this. Other. I just, they look yucky. They're delicious. No. Can't get enough of mushrooms. All right, coming up next, we'll get back into some baseball. Every time I get the ball, no matter what the situation is, I expect to find a way to win. Um, that's what this whole offense's team expects. Um, and so uh, you get the ball with a minute left and two timeouts. I mean, you're you're trying to find ways to get chunk plays. And if I can just barely maybe hit McColl on that first one and get that chunk play, then it might be different. So uh, you always I always expect to win until the, you, there's literally no time. Um, so anytime you lose, uh, it definitely hurts. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown. I think one of the most important skills somebody can have in life right now is being able to determine what's real and what's not real. Oh, boy. On the internet. And now we we are going to, uh, as a group, determine if this is real or not. Because I'm very, very skeptical. This is a tweet from Adam Lefko. It's a uh, screenshot of a newspaper article from... Sometime in the early 1900s, I'm assuming. Here's the screen. Here's what the newspaper article reads. Take a look at the diet of Babe Ruth as he played alongside Lou Gehrig. Breakfast was a pint of whiskey mixed with ginger ale, then steak, four eggs, fried potatoes, and a pot of coffee. For an afternoon snack, it was four hot dogs. Glizzies. Eats washed down with a bottle of Coca-Cola. For an Early supper and a late supper, each the same. Two porterhouse steaks, two heads of lettuce drenched with blue cheese dressing, two platefuls of cottage fried potatoes, and then two apple pies. Oh, and between the two suppers, he had four more hot dogs and four more bottles of Coca-Cola. I mean, this sounds like something Michael Phelps was doing when he was training for the Olympics. And portion size has changed over the last few decades. I think this is believable. You think this really? I don't think our our eggs these days were the same size eggs as they were when Babe Ruth was coming up. The eggs are not the part I'm worried about. No, but like you just think of like everything to scale. Like how big were the porterhouse steaks? This is a big dude, right? Babe Ruth only lived to be 53. Yep. Uh, he had a rough childhood, so I'm guessing there's some scarcity complex in there, so we had to eat everything always. So it's not like we're talking about somebody who went on to live to be 89 Correct. years old that was eating like this. Um, here, <laughs> here's what I'm here's what I'm guessing that this story's origins are from. I'm guessing at least once and probably multiple times in his life, Babe Ruth had. Whiskey for breakfast with steak, four eggs, fried potatoes, and then drank a whole pot of coffee. I'm also guessing that multiple times in his life, he ate four hot dogs just at 3 p.m. in the middle of the day and had a Coke with every single one of them. I'm also guessing at one point he had two dinners on the same day and he ate the same porterhouse steak and lettuce and potatoes and apple pies. But yes, 
these did not all happen on the same day, and this was not a this this the way this is phrased makes it sound like this was a regular occurrence right. for Babe Ruth. I'm guessing he did all of these things, but not on the same day and not every single day. Because if he did, if you did all of these things every single day, you're not living to be 30 years old. Two apple pies. So here's my question: Is it two apple pies or is it four apple pies? That because is yes. He's, because Correct. the not, way it's phrased is not clear. <laughs> he ate he ate he ate two dinners, each the same, and then the way it's phrased: two porterhouse steaks, two heads of lettuce, two platefuls lettuce of cottage fried potatoes. Lettuce does stretch out your stomach, though. That's what the competitive eaters do before they compete: is that they eat a ton of lettuce. I remember watching True Life. I'm a competitive eater in like 2005. This is a fact. I am guessing he had one steak, one head of lettuce one plate of potatoes and one apple pie for early dinner and then all of that for late dinner as well. But the way it's written, it could very easily be, have been two of all of those things for early dinner and two of all those things for late dinner. At least there's not a lot of dairy here. I feel like if he was eating more dairy, there would be a, a much different plumbing situation. It just fills you up quicker. <laughs> Can somebody explain what is cottage fried potato? Also a question I have. Do you know what that I'm is, I'm on Jared? it. Okay, if Jared doesn't know, then... I'm sorry, I was looking up the F, or not the FDA, the USDA's definition of a porterhouse. Right. Did we have a USDA at that point? I'm not sure if we did. No, I'm pretty sure Upton Sinclair was the reason we had a USDA. So Yeah. I'm just guessing there's no way all this happened in one day, and definitely no way it happened multiple days. What, uh, you particular eater, what on this list would you not eat? Um, blue cheese dressing is a oh. hard no. Uh, pretty much everything. Whiskey is a hard no. Oh, come on. Apple pies are hard no. Now, if we're talking French silk, though, I would absolutely destroy that. But pretty much everything else, I'm good to go. All right. I don't think, I, I still need to know what cottage fried potatoes I, I are. I have the answer, but I don't think we have the you time. You can't get it to us it's in 10 seconds. It's a great tease. That's the only thing that I'm questioning. Everything else sounds delicious. I just, you know die if I ate all of that in one day because I faint when I eat too much as it is.